Welcome to the Succeeding Over All Roadblocks LifeCast, a show about self-discovery and vibrating higher in every area of your life. Each week, I'll have conversations with some of my favorite people who are soaring over life's challenges. They'll share their struggles, but more importantly, the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Keisha Whitaker, entrepreneur and transformational speaker. Let's get ready to soar. Before we jump into the main content for today, I want to take a moment and give a special shout out to Dr. SLJ6. Here's what they said in their five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This podcast gives me life. I'm the first to admit that I'm not a fan of podcasts, but I have truly enjoyed every episode. I have been going through a rough patch lately, but listening to each week's guest helps give me a little extra to keep going. I feel like I have something to help me soar. Thank you so much, Dr. SLJ6, for those kind words. It really means a lot. If you'd like to receive a shout out on a future episode, leave a review for the show in Apple Podcasts. Now, let's get into the episode. As 2020 takes us on a wild ride we can't seem to get off of, there are some things on my heart that I wanted to share with you. In these uncertain and mentally stressful times, we don't know what is going to happen, but we can be certain about the desires and hopes that God puts into our hearts. Now, I'm not overly religious, but I do consider myself a spiritual person who uses biblical principles and answers to a higher power. One thing that has really helped me is to think about the moments that I've overcome devastating roadblocks. I'm reminded of the first time that my faith was really tested and how that experience not only drew me closer to God, but it put me on a path that got me where I am today. In episode nine, I remember Kanji, my friend Kanji, who was on the show, mentioned that I had been to the Olympics. And one of my friends heard that and asked, when was I going to share my stories? And it got me thinking about how so much growth came out of so much difficulty and how I reached that point. When I was growing up, I knew I wanted to be a writer. I had been reading since three, writing since five, and I knew as a child that that's what I wanted to do. I also played basketball and volleyball, and I remember telling my mom that I was going to play volleyball in the Olympics. I was an okay basketball player, but a much better volleyball player, and I played at the Division II level at Lane College before transferring to the University of Memphis. So at Memphis, my major was journalism and I concentrated on public relations because it suited my personality. I was the kind of person that liked to shrews it up. I was taking a full course load, trying to walk onto the volleyball team and work a full time job. Now, how did I think that was possible? Well, I didn't know it wasn't possible because I'd done it in high school. I played sports. I go to work after practice. I do my work and but my homework before I left school. So I'd go to school, do the homework, go to practice, go to work. And in the summertime, I would work two jobs. So I didn't think that it was impossible to do that in college. But little did I know it, it was very, very tough to do all of those things and maintain uh, a great, a good GPA. So I had to let volleyball go because I really needed to work my way through school. 
So realizing I had reached the end of the road with my volleyball career, I decided to just keep focusing on work and started working at a customs brokerage firm. In the spring of 99, I got a wake up call. One morning I was on my way to class and the transmission in my car went out. My mom was already at work, so I called her up. She came, picked me up, and I dropped her off at work. She let me keep her car for the day. I dropped her off at work and planned to pick her up after class. Classes ended around one or so, and so I had a little bit of time to go pick up my paycheck from my job and take it to the bank. On the way to the bank, I had a bad accident with a semi-truck. Now, I don't remember much of what happened. I just remember going basically headfirst into the side of a truck, like head on. And before I hit the truck, I just remember sliding and trying not to go head on. I just was trying to turn the wheel and it wouldn't turn. It was rainy, it was slick out. And next thing I know, I'm going into the side of the truck and boom, lights out. All I remember is seeing a bright white light and just being asleep, like the best sleep you've ever had. It was like such a good sleep. It was peaceful. It was quiet. I didn't hear anything. I was just asleep. And I don't have any idea of how long I was out, but I remember the paramedics waking me up and then all of the sounds of the traffic and everything around me just coming back. So as I look around, I see the wreckage. I notice that my hand, my right wrist is badly broken and there's a gash in my right knee. So the paramedics rushed me to the hospital and I think my mom got there before I got there. Just keep in mind, I just totaled out her car. So talk about the determination of a mother, but I know she was there. I didn't get to see her right away, but I know she was there. So they patched me up that night and I went home. I saw photos of the car and uh, back then it was like Polaroids, right? So the Polaroid and it looked like a balled up piece of paper, y'all. I could not believe that I survived it. I could not believe that I wasn't hurt more than I was. So some days later, I went in for a follow-up and was told that I would need surgery on my wrist. Mind you, I hadn't been in the hospital for anything except the day I was born. I wasn't, I've, I've never been sick. I've never had a reason to go to the hospital like that. And uh, I didn't want to go under the knife. I was freaking out about that. So I ended up having the surgery and the doctors installed a plate and seven screws in my wrist. So imagine it was in the shape of a T. You had three screws going vertically and four horizontally in my wrist. And no, I do not uh, get beeps when I go to the metal detector. It does not go off. So I've had people ask me that for years, but no, it doesn't happen. So I get the surgery and I end up wearing a cast up to my elbow for about eight weeks. Now, all of this is happening during finals. So I had to go back to school and to my job, even though I couldn't use my right hand. I just had to learn how to make do and use my left hand for everything. So I made it work. <laughs> my handwriting wasn't the best, but I was still able to drive. I was able to get around and do what I need to do. It was a little bit more challenging, but I got it done. I was still in the cast and one of my good friends from high school and uh, we were in college together too. She invited me to go to church with her. While we were at church, she encouraged me to give my testimony about the accident and I was like okay I'll get up and do this I get up and I go and share the testimony and when I shared the ordeal with the congregation they actually rejoiced in my story 
And they were so happy for me and that I made it out of this accident and that it could have been a fatal situation that God really pulled me out of that. And it woke me up personally. And I talked about the importance of, you know, just being grateful that I didn't lose my hand in the accident. It could have been so much worse. And so I later joined the church and became extremely engrossed in studying the Bible and prayer and just changed my life completely. I stopped partying. I stopped cursing. Everything. Like I was living the save life. Okay. I was always, always about church, always about studying the Bible, just heavily into it. So once the cast came off, I started going to occupational therapy and I was told that I would have limited range of motion. So even to this day, my wrist only bends about half of what it used to. So later on, I decided to get serious about my major and I quit my job, which I was making like really good money at that time. I quit my job and started working for the campus newspaper, which paid significantly less. But I saw the bigger picture of it and how it would help me get to where I really wanted to go. Since I couldn't play sports anymore, I decided I would write about it as a sports and news reporter for the paper. I did that for about a semester. And then when the sports editor position came up, I asked for it and it would be the following semester. By that first semester of being a news and sports reporter, I had plenty of writing samples that I needed to go after internships with. So I applied for one with the U.S. Olympic Committee. They had a number of internships all over the country. And I landed a summer internship in the media relations office for the U.S. Bobsled and Skeleton Federation in Lake Placid, New York. I lived at the Olympic Training Center among the winter sport athletes. Uh, I told the story on the episode with Kanji on episode nine, where I talked about being the only black girl in the town. There were a couple athletes that... um, female athletes that were black, but they were there for a very short period of time. So the whole time I was there, I pretty much was the only black girl around. So I did tell that story and it was funny, but it was so much fun. And I met some amazing, amazing people. When I came back to Memphis in the fall and started working as a sports editor, I did not realize what I was undertaking at that time or what was going to happen to me. I just took every opportunity as it came. And so this one opportunity really opened up a world of doors for me, like a number of doors. And I became the first black female sports editor. And when you're doing stuff like that, you don't even think about, oh, I'm going to, I'm the first to do this. You're just doing it. And And I had a young lady that was on my uh, team of reporters and she ended up becoming the next sports editor behind me, the next black female sports editor. And so you start opening doors and seeing representation at work. And it's just it's amazing to see even on a college level. One day I came into the newsroom and I think this was like 2001 and there was a flyer on my desk to apply for a scholarship with the Association for Women in Sports Media. Now at that time I'd done a number of internships. When I came back I worked with 103.5. I worked with the U.S. US Racquetball Championships. I mean anything that I could get my hands on I was doing internships and I was applying for internships with the NBA a lot and nothing was panning out. So I get this opportunity to apply for the scholarship with the Association for Women in Sports Media and I looked at it I said I have nothing to lose I just apply and see what happens I end up getting picked and they flew me out to Phoenix for their annual convention when I tell you they treated the scholarship winners like royalty and we met all the top women's sports reporters from like USA Today Dallas Morning News I mean you name it these were like the top women in sports journalism they gave us this cash reward and everybody got an internship they might have been at Nike they might have been at a newspaper or what have you but I found it very 
interesting that they gave me an internship to the U.S. Olympic Committee headquarters in Colorado Springs. At that time, I was finishing up my coursework to graduate and I was ready to go off to start the internship that summer. Just before I was to leave, I got all of my coursework done and prepared my declaration for graduation. So I do all that. I go out to Colorado. I'm there for six months. There again, I was there with the with the athletes living at the Olympic Training Center, but this time it was the summer sport athletes. And this was just a glorious time in my life. I made some amazing friends that I still have to this day. Shout out to my good friend, my dear brother, Suja Salters. He listens to the podcast. What's up, bro? And then my five, my friend, the five-time indoor volleyball Olympian, Danielle Scott. She was my guest on episode five. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, please go back and listen to it. It's so good. Meeting all these people, make building relationships. It was a great time in my life, but the work was why I was there. This was an opportunity that I was going to let pass me by. I grinded. I worked really hard, but I will say that nothing is ever without its roadblocks. I'm about to go off on a side note, but I have to tell this story. You know how in the workplace, there's always one, one who sees you as a threat for no apparent reason. And so my counterpart was a pretty girl from the South as well. And she was nice enough, but she took issue with me for whatever reason. And I don't understand a lot of times why people feel the need to try to undercut you or make you look bad so they can look good. I remember her going to lunch one day and leaving some papers on the printer. And when I got up to print something, I saw the papers there. So I glanced at the papers and I saw my name. So, you know, I read it. I read like a paragraph and she was supposed to be reporting about her internship. And here she was writing about me, just trashing me. I felt like she obviously did it so I would see it. So I made a copy of it and left it on the printer and acted like I never saw it. So the rest of the day I'm working, the paper's in my bag. I never touched it. I never looked at it until I got home. And when I got to my room, I read it very carefully. After I read it, I went to my Bible for direction. In those situations, I always let God fight the battle for me. I never say anything. She, I never told her that I saw the paper. I never made mention of it. You don't have to say a word. At the end of that, people saw through her. When you're in those situations, I want you to go to Romans 12, 17 and 21. I'm not going to read it here. I want you to go read Romans 12, 17 through 21. Please reference it for yourself because I think there's something very strong about when you read it for yourself and you take it in and interpret it for yourself. It just hits different. Okay, I want you to read it. We've all experienced people like that on our jobs. And you might be experiencing that right now. But to that, I say you have to broaden your perspective. It is a big world out there and your goals reach far beyond where you are. So when you change your outlook, your roadblock becomes a speed bump on the way to your destination. I never paid attention to her. She was a blip on the radar because I knew where I wanted to go. And those things you just don't really see when you're focused on a higher goal. While I'm telling the stories of these great athletes and all these people that I've met, I actually had forgotten about my dream of going to the Olympics, right? But one thing for sure is that God didn't forget. 
My internship ended a couple of months just before the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. And uh, guess who was asked to go? Yes, yes. Not only was I going to the Olympics, but I was a journalist covering the sports that I knew well. I'd worked at U.S. Bobsled, so I knew all the bobsledders, the skeleton, the losers, the skiers, everybody. And so I was covering those sports while I was there. And I will tell you, it was like lightning in a bottle because all these people had worked so hard all these years. And then I'm there and they win their medals and they're coming through to talk to the media. And I'm there with the media and they give me like these big, amazing hugs. And oh, the media is like, they know her, they know her. And it was just so funny. But I really had no clue that those opportunities would come together like that. Every step we take brings us closer to our dream. And sometimes we may veer off the path and we're unable to see our way. And other times there is a fork in the road and we can only hope we've chosen the right path. Sometimes we just have to blaze our own trail. There's a few things that I want to talk about that I want you to be really mindful of as we're going through this difficult time during the pandemic. And these are things that have helped me truly to stay focused on what's important, not the election, not what people are doing, but to really stay focused on what is true for you. So the first thing I want to tell you is don't be attached to the outcome. I didn't know that all those years ago when I said I was going to the Olympics, that I would be going in the way that I went. And because I didn't go as an as a volleyball player, had I been attached to that outcome, I would have never felt like it was a chance for me to go. So don't be attached to an outcome because this ties up your expectation to something that you that you really want to happen. And then when it doesn't happen, you feel defeated or disappointed, but rather focus on the effort that you're putting forward. That's the first thing. The second thing is it's about the journey, not the destination. Focus on the journey. Focus on the road ahead. Number three, focus on what is in your control. Don't worry about the stuff that you can't control. You have the ability to change anything that you want to change, whether it's your job, whether it's the furniture in your house, whether it's a person that you want out of your life, whether it's a person you want in your life, you have the ability to change those things. So it's how you respond to those roadblocks is going to be important. When I talk about focusing on what you can control, one thing I've done in a work situation to keep my stress levels down, I have to tell myself, this stuff is not life or death. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a first responder. No one's life is on the line if I don't get something done at a breakneck speed, okay? Do what you can do and that's in your control and don't worry about the rest. And when it comes to dealing with people, no one on a job can make me step out of my character or make me jeopardize my job. If it's not putting a dollar in your pocket or taking a dollar out of your pocket, don't worry about it. It's not important. And the last thing is that timing is everything. Don't rush anything. Don't be in a rush because everything happens when it's supposed to happen. Even though I made the declaration many years ago about the Olympics, who knew that I would be there all those years later? The timing was right. And if there's something that's in your heart, even if it's like dormant, I'm sure it pops up from time to time in your mind. Don't ignore it. That seed was planted and it's laying dormant. And now is the time to act on it. Write out the plan. Research it thoroughly. 
map out the people and the resources that you need and just start executing those things. So the idea of having a podcast popped up into my spirit like two years ago. And every now and again, it would keep popping up. And at the start of the pandemic, I was really, as you know, really down. And a good friend suggested that we should do a podcast together. So we came up with a plan. We started figuring out how to make it happen. I began doing research. And then we both just kind of stopped and dropped it. And for me, fear started to set in and all the thoughts and doubts about putting myself out there really began to creep up. After a while, she came and said, I just really think you should do it yourself. And I really didn't want to, but I pushed myself to go ahead and do it. The thing about it is a podcast is not an easy undertaking for real, for real. But I felt like my skill set lended itself to it. And also I needed something to fuel my purpose and for others that needed to hear this. There's so many other people out there that I realize are going through the same things that I was going through. And I was like, how can I put something out there that will be useful for other people and myself? What I want you to remember is that what we're going through right now is just a temporary moment in time. You have the power to change anything you want in your life. And when times get tough, like we're in these moments now, Think back on those times that you soared over a roadblock. Lay out those steps. Lay out the mindset that you had. What were the thoughts? What was the process? What were the steps that you took to overcome that? And apply those steps again and see how they work in this situation and adapt and adjust them accordingly. Those are my thoughts. That's been on my heart, guys. I appreciate you listening And I can't wait to come back next week with another great interview. So stay tuned. And until then, keep soaring. Thanks for listening to the Succeeding Over All Roadblocks Lifecast. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Soar Lifecast for more tips and motivation. You can also email questions to SoarLifecast at gmail.com. Be sure to catch new episodes every week and leave a review of the show. Until then, keep soaring.